Chapter Ten of Princess Mary's Gift Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Princess Mary's Gift Book. Chapter Ten. Magepa the Buck by H. Rider Haggard. In a preface to the story of the early life of the late Alan Quatermain, known in Africa as Macumazan, which has recently been published under the name of Marie, Mr. Curtis, the brother of Sir Henry Curtis, tells of how he found a number of manuscripts that were left by Mr. Quatermain in his house in Yorkshire. Of these, Marie was one, but in addition to it, and sundry other completed stories, I, the editor to whom it was directed that these manuscripts should be handed for publication have found a quantity of unclassified notes and papers one of these notes it is contained in a book much soiled and worn that evidently its owner had carried about with him for years reminds me of a conversation i had with mr quatermain long ago when i was his guest in yorkshire the note itself is short I think that he must have jotted it down within an hour or two of the event to which it refers. It runs thus. Quote, I wonder whether in the land beyond any recognition is granted for acts of great courage and unselfish devotion, a kind of spiritual Victoria Cross. If so, I think it ought to be accorded to that poor old savage Magepa. At least it would be if I had any voice in the matter. Upon my word, he has made me feel proud of humanity. And yet, he was nothing but a nigger, as so many call the Kaffirs. For a while, I, the editor, wondered to what this entry could allude. Then, of a sudden, it all came back to me. I saw myself as a young man, seated in the hall of Quatermain's house one evening after dinner with me were sir henry curtis and captain good we were smoking and the conversation had turned upon deeds of heroism each of us detailed such acts as he could remember which had made the most impression on him when we had finished old alan said with your leave i'll tell you a story of what i think was one of the bravest things i ever saw it happened at the beginning of the zulu war when the troops were marching into Zululand. Now at that time, as you know, I was turning an honest penny transport riding for government, or rather for the military authorities. I hired them three wagons with the necessary volupas and drivers, sixteen good salted oxen to each wagon, and myself in charge of the lot. They paid me, well, never mind how much. I am rather ashamed to mention the amount. I asked a good price for my wagons, or rather for the hire of them, of a very well-satisfied young gentleman in uniform, who had been exactly three weeks in the country, and, to my surprise, got it. But when I went to those in command and warned them what would happen if they persisted in their way of advance, then in their pride they would not listen to the old hunter and transport rider, but politely bowed me out, if they had, there would have been no Isandwana disaster. He brooded a while, 
for as i knew this was a sore subject with him one of which he would rarely talk although he escaped himself quatermain had lost friends on that fatal field he went on to return to old magepa i had known him for many years the first time we met was in the battle of the tugila i was fighting for the king's son umbelazi the handsome in the ranks of the amawombi regiment i mean to write all that story for it should not be lost footnote for this story see the book named child of storm by h rider haggard well as i have told you before the amawombi were wiped out of the three thousand or so of them i think only about fifty remained alive after they had annihilated the three of setiweo's regiments that set upon them but magepa was one who survived i met him afterwards at old king panda's kraal and recognized him as having fought by my side whilst i was talking with him the prince setiweo came by to me he was civil enough for he knew how I chanced to be in the battle, but he glared at Magepa and said, "Why, Macumazahn, is not this man one of the dogs with which you tried to bite me by the Tugila not long ago? He must be a cunning dog also, one who can run fast. For how comes it that he lives to snarl when so many will never bark again?" oh if i had my way i would find a strip of hide to fit his neck not so i answered he has the king's peace and he is a brave man braver than i am anyway prince seeing that i ran from the ranks of the amawombi while he stood where he was you mean that your horse ran macumazahn well since you like this dog i will not hurt him and with a shrug he went his way yet soon or late he will hurt me said magepa when the prince had gone usetaweo has a memory long as the shadow thrown by a tree at sunset moreover as he knows well it is true that i ran macumazahn though not till all was finished and i could do no more by standing still you remember how after we had eaten up the first of setaweo's regiments the second charged us and we ate that up also well in that fight i got a tap on the head from a kerry it struck me on my man's ring which i had just put on for i think i was the youngest soldier in that regiment of veterans the ring saved me still for a while i lost my mind and lay like one dead when i found it again the fight was over and setaweo's people were searching for our wounded that they might kill them presently they found me and saw that there was no hurt on me here is one who shams dead like a stink cat said a big fellow lifting his spear then it was that i sprang up and ran i who was but just married and desired to live he struck at me but i jumped over the spear and the others that they threw missed me then they began to hunt me but Macumazahn, I, who am named the Buck because I am swifter on foot than any man in Zululand, outpaced them all and got away safe. Well done, Magepa, I said. Still, remember the saying of your people. At last the strong swimmer goes with the stream, and the swift runner is run down. I know it, Macumazahn, he answered with a nod, 
and perhaps in a day to come I shall know it better. I took little heed of his words at the time, but more than thirty years afterwards I remembered them. Such was my first acquaintance with Magepa. Now, friends, I will tell you how it was renewed at the time of the Zulu War. As you know, I was attached to the center column that advanced into Zululand by Rourke's Drift on the Buffalo River. Before war was declared, or at any rate before the advance began, while it might have been, and many thought it would be, averted, I was employed transport-riding goods to the little Rourke's Drift station, that which became so famous afterwards and incidentally in collecting what information i could of Sitiweo's intentions hearing that there was a kraal a mile or so the other side of the river of which the people were said to be very friendly to the english i determined to visit it you may think this was rash but i was so well known in zululand where for many years by special leave of the king I was allowed to go whither I would quite unmolested that I felt no fear for myself so long as I went alone Accordingly one evening I crossed the drift and headed for a cloth in which I was told the kraal stood Ten minutes ride brought me in sight of it. It was not a large kraal There may have been six or eight huts and a cattle enclosure surrounded by the usual fence the situation however was very pretty a knoll of rising ground backed by the wooded slopes of the cloof as I approached I saw women and children running to the kraal to hide and When I reached the gateway for some time no one would come out to meet me At length a small boy appeared who informed me that the kraal was empty as a gourd Quite so I answered still go and tell the head man that Macumazahn wishes to speak with him the boy departed and presently I saw a face that seemed familiar to me peeping round the gateway After a careful inspection its owner emerged He was a tall thin man of indefinite age perhaps between 60 and 70 with a finely cut face a little gray beard kind eyes and very well shaped hands and feet the fingers which twitched incessantly being remarkably long Greeting Macumazahn, he said. I see you do not remember me Well think of the battle of the Tugela and of the last stand of the Amawombi and of a certain talk at the kraal of our father who is dead That is King Panda and of how he who sits in his place He meant Setiweo told you that if he had his way he would find a hide rope to fit the neck of a certain one ah I said I know you now you are Magepa the buck So the runner has not yet been run down No Macumazahn not yet, but there is still time I think that many swift feet will be at work ere long How have you prospered I asked him well enough Macumazahn in all ways except one I have three wives, but my children have been few and are dead Except one daughter who is married and lives with me for her husband too is dead He was killed by a buffalo and she has not yet married again But enter and see So I went in and saw Magepa's wives old women all of them Also at his bidding 
His daughter, whose name was Gita, brought me some mass or curdled milk to drink. She was a well-formed woman, very like her father, but sad-faced, perhaps with a prescience of evil to come. Clinging to her finger was a beautiful boy of something under two years of age, who, when he saw Magipa, ran to him and threw his little arms about his legs. The old man lifted the child and kissed him tenderly, saying, It is well that this toddler and I should love one another, Macumazan, seeing that he is the last of my race. All the other children here are those of the people who have come to live in my shadow. Where are their fathers? I asked, patting the little boy, who, his mother told me, was named Sinala, upon the cheek, an attention that he resented. They have all been called away on duty, answered Magipa shortly, and I changed the subject. And we began to talk about old times, and I asked him if he had any oxen to sell, saying that this was my reason for visiting his kraal. Nay, Macumazan, he answered in a meaning voice, this year all the cattle are the king's. I nodded and replied that, as it was so, I had better be going. Whereon, as I half expected, Magipa announced that he would see me safe to the drift. So I bade farewell to the wives and the widowed daughter, and we started. As soon as we were clear of the kraal, Magipa began to open his heart to me. Macumazan, he said, looking up at me earnestly, for I was mounted, and he walked beside my horse. There is to be war. Sitiweo will not consent to the demands of the great white chief from the Cape. He meant Sir Bartle Freer. He will fight with the English. Only he will let them begin the fighting. He will draw them on into Zululand, and then overwhelm them with his impis, and stamp them flat, and eat them up. And I, who love the English, am very sorry. Yes, it makes my heart bleed. If it were the Boers now, I should be glad, for we Zulus hate the Boers. But the English we do not hate. Even Setuweo likes them. Still, he will eat them up if they attack him. Indeed, I answered, and then, as in duty bound, I proceeded to get what I could out of him, and that was not a little. Of course, however, I did not swallow it all, since I suspected that Magipa was feeding me with news that he had been ordered to disseminate. Presently we came to the mouth of the kloof in which the kraal stood, and here, for greater convenience of conversation, we halted, for I thought it as well that we should not be seen in close talk on the open plain beyond. The path here, I should add, ran past a clump of green bushes, I remember they bore a white flower that smelt sweet, and were backed by some tall grass, elephant grass, I think it was, among which grew mimosa trees. Magipa, I said, if in truth there is to be fighting, why don't you move over the river one night with your people and cattle, and get into Natal? I would if I could, Macumazan, who have no stomach for this war against the English. But there I should not be safe, since presently the king will come into Natal, too, or send thirty thousand assegais as his messengers. Then what will happen to those who have left him? 
oh if you think that i answered you had better stay where you are also macumazahn the husbands of those women at my kraal have been called up to their regiments and if their wives fled to the english they would be killed again the king has sent for nearly all our cattle to keep it safe he fears lest we border zulus might join our people in natal and that is why he is keeping our cattle safe life is more than cattle magepa at least you might come what and leave my people to be killed macumazahn you did not use to talk so still hearken macumazahn will you do me a service i will pay you well for it i will get my daughter gita and my little grandson sinala into safety if i and my wives are wiped out it does not matter for we are old but her i would save and the boy i would save so that one may live who will remember my name now if i were to send them across the drift say at the dawn not tomorrow and not the next day but the day after would you receive them into your wagon and deliver them safe to some place in natal i have money hidden fifty pieces of gold and you may take half of these and also half of the cattle if ever i live to get them back out of the keeping of the king never mind about the money and we will speak of the cattle afterwards i said i understand that you wish to send your daughter and your little grandson out of danger and i think you wise very wise when once the advance begins if there is an advance who knows what may happen war is a rough game magepa it is not the custom of you black people to spare women and children and there will be zulus fighting on our side as well as on yours do you understand oh i understand macumazahn i have known the face of war and seen many a little one like my grandson sinala assegaied upon his mother's back very good but if i do this for you you must do something for me say magepa does sitiweo really mean to fight and if so how oh yes i know all you have been telling me but i want not words but truth from the heart you ask secrets said the old fellow peering about him into the gathering gloom still a spear for a spear and a shield for a shield as our saying runs i have spoken no lie the king does mean to fight not because he wants to but because the regiments swear that they will wash their assegais they who have never seen blood since that battle of the tugila in which we too played a part and if he will not suffer it well there are more of his race also he means to fight thus and he gave me some very useful information that is information which would have been useful if those in authority had deigned to pay any attention to it when i passed it on just as he finished speaking i thought i heard a sound in the dense green bush behind us it reminded me of the noise a man makes when he tries to stifle a cough and frightened me for if we had been overheard by a spy magepa was as good as dead and the sooner i was across the river the better what's that i asked a bushbuck macumazahn there are lots of them about here 
not being satisfied though it is true that buck do cough like this i turned my horse to the bush seeking an opening thereon something crashed away and vanished into the long grass in those shadows of course i could not see what it was but such light as remained glinted on what might have been the polished tip of the horn of an antelope or an assegai i told you it was a buck macumazahn said magipa still if you smell danger let us come away from the bush though the orders are that no white man is to be touched as yet then while we walked on towards the ford he set out with great detail as kaffirs do the exact arrangements that he proposed to make for the handing over of his daughter and her child into my care i remember that i asked him why he would not send her on the following morning instead of two mornings later he answered because he expected an outpost of scouts from one of the regiments at his kraal that night who would probably remain there over the morrow and perhaps longer while they were in the place it would be difficult for him to send away gita and her son without exciting suspicion near the drift we parted and i returned to our provisional camp and wrote a beautiful report of all that i had learned of which report i may add no one took the slightest notice i think it was the morning before that whereon i had arranged to meet gita and the little boy at the drift that just about dawn i went down to the river for a wash having taken my dip i climbed on to a flat rock to dress myself and looked at the billows of beautiful pearly mist which hid the face of the water and considered i almost said listen to the great silence for as yet no live thing was stirring ah if i had known of the hideous sights and sounds that were destined to be heard ere long in this same haunt of perfect peace indeed at that moment there came a kind of hint or premonition of them since suddenly through the utter quiet broke the blood-curdling wail of a woman it was followed by other wails and shouts distant and yet distinct then the silence fell again now thought i to myself that noise might very well have come from old magipa's kraal luckily however sounds are deceptive in mist well the end of it was that i waited there till the sun rose the first thing on which its bright beam struck was a mighty column of smoke rising to heaven from where magipa's kraal had stood i went back to my wagons very sad so sad that i could scarcely eat my breakfast while i walked i wondered hard whether the light had glinted upon the tip of a buck's horn in that patch of green bush with the sweet smelling white flowers a night or two ago or had it perchance fallen upon the point of the assegai of some spy who was watching my movements in that event yonder column of smoke and the horrible cries which preceded it were easy to explain for had not magipa and i talked secrets together and in zulu on the following morning at the dawn i attended at the drift in the faint hope that gita and her boy might arrive there as arranged but nobody came which was not wonderful seeing that gita lay dead stabbed through and through as i saw afterwards she made a good fight for the child and that her spirit had gone to wherever go the souls of the brave-hearted 
be they white or black only on the farther bank of the river i saw some zulu scouts who seemed to know my errand for they called to me asking mockingly where was the pretty woman i had come to meet after that i tried to put the matter out of my head which indeed was full enough of other things since now definite orders had arrived as to the advance and with these many troops and officers it was just then that the zulus began to fire across the river at such of our people as they saw upon the bank at these they took aim and as a result hit nobody a raw kaffir with a rifle in my experience is only dangerous when he aims at nothing for then the bullet looks after itself and may catch you to put a stop to this nuisance a regiment of the friendly natives there may have been several hundred of them was directed to cross the river and clear the kloofs and rocks of the zulu skirmishers who were hidden among them i watched them go off in fine style towards evening someone told me that our impi as he grandiloquently called it was returning victorious having at the moment nothing else to do i walked down to the river at a point where the water was deep and the banks were high here i climbed to the top of a pile of boulders whence with my field glasses i could sweep a great extent of plain which stretched away on the zululand side till at length it merged into hills and bush presently i saw some of our natives marching homewards in a scattered and disorganized fashion but evidently very proud of themselves for they were waving their assegais and singing scraps of war songs a few minutes later a mile or more away i caught sight of a man running watching him through the glasses i noted three things first that he was tall secondly that he ran with extraordinary swiftness and thirdly that he had something tied upon his back it was evident further that he had good reason to run since he was being hunted by a number of our kaffirs of whom more and more continually joined in the chase from every side they poured down upon him trying to cut him off and kill him for as they got nearer i could see the assegais which they threw at him flash in the sunlight very soon i understood that the man was running with a definite object and to a definite point he was trying to reach the river i thought the sight very pitiful this one poor creature being hunted to death by so many also i wondered why he did not free himself from the bundle on his back and came to the conclusion that he must be a witch doctor and that the bundle contained his precious charms or medicines this was while he was yet a long way off but when he came nearer within three or four hundred yards of a sudden i caught the outline of his face against a good background and knew it for that of magepa my god i said to myself it is old magepa the buck and the bundle in that mat will be his grandson sinala yes even then i felt certain that he was carrying the child upon his back what was i to do it was impossible for me to cross the river at that place and long before i could get round by the ford all would be finished i stood up on my rock and shouted to those brutes of kaffirs to let the man alone they were so excited that they did not hear my words 
at least they swore afterwards that they thought i was encouraging them to hunt him down but magepa heard me at that moment he seemed to be failing but the sight of me appeared to give him fresh strength he gathered himself together and leapt forward at a really surprising speed now the river was not more than three hundred yards away from him and for the first two hundred of these he quite outdistanced his pursuers although they were most of them young men and comparatively fresh then once more his strength began to fail watching through the glasses i could see that his mouth was wide open and that there was red foam upon his lips the burden on his back was dragging him down once he lifted his hands as though to loose it then with a wild gesture let them fall again two of the pursuers who had outpaced the others crept up to him lank lean men of not more than thirty years of age they had stabbing spears in their hands such as are used at close quarters and these of course they did not throw one of them gained a little on the other now magepa was not more than fifty yards from the bank and the first hunter about ten paces behind him and coming up rapidly magepa glanced over his shoulder and saw then put out his last strength for forty yards he went like an arrow running straight away from his pursuers until he was within a few feet of the bank when he stumbled and fell he's done i said and upon my word if i had a rifle in my hand i think i would have stopped one or both of those bloodhounds and taken the consequences but no just as the first man lifted his broad spear to stab him through the back on which the bundle lay magepa leapt up and wheeled round to take the thrust in his chest evidently he did not wish to be speared in the back for a certain reason he took it sure enough for the assegai was wrenched out of the hand of the striker still as he was reeling backwards it did not go through magepa or perhaps it hit a bone he drew out the spear and threw it at the man wounding him then he staggered on back and back to the edge of the little cliff it was reached at last with a cry of help me macumazahn magepa turned and before the other man could spear him leapt straight into deep water he rose yes the brave old fellow rose and struck out for the other bank leaving a little line of red behind him i rushed or rather sprang and rolled down to the edge of the stream to where a point of shingle ran out into the water along this i clambered and beyond it up to my middle now magepa was being swept past me i caught his outstretched hand and pulled him ashore the boy he gasped the boy is he dead i severed the lashings of the mat that had cut right into the old fellow's shoulders inside of it was little sinala spluttering out water but very evidently alive and unhurt for presently he set up a yell no i said he lives and will live then all is well macumazahn a pause it was a spy in the bush not a buck he overheard our talk the king's slayers came gita held the door of the hut while i took the child cut a hole through the straw with my assegai and crept out at the back 
She was full of spears before she died, but I got away with the boy. Till your Kaffirs found me, I lay hid in the bush, hoping to escape to Natal. Then I ran for the river and saw you on the further bank. I might have got away, but that child is heavy. A pause. Give him food, Macumazahn. He must be hungry. A pause. Farewell. That was a good saying of yours. The swift runner is outrun at last. Ah, yet I did not run in vain. Another pause. The last. Then he lifted himself upon one arm, and with the other saluted, first the boy Sinala, and next me, muttering, Remember your promise, Macumazahn. That is how Magipa the Buck died. I never saw anyone carrying weight who could run quite so well as he. And Quatermain turned his head away as though the memory of this incident affected him somewhat. What became of the child, Sinala? I asked presently. Oh, I sent him to an institution in Natal and afterwards was able to get some of his property back for him. I believe that he is being trained as an interpreter. End of chapter 10